Good morning, Jen Yu. How you doing this morning? Oh, wow. You did not do that very well. <laughs> Good morning, Jen Yu. How you doing this morning? Good to have you in the house this morning. For those who are joining us online, big shout out to you. My name is Ryan Tremel. I'm one of the pastors here on the pastoral team at Gen U, and I serve as the youth pastor to the high school and middle high students. I got some of my high school students over here. It's been here. I've been serving in that capacity for about three months, and it's been an amazing time. This is my first time on the big stage, so I'm super excited for that because Pastor Phil is out on vacation. He's enjoying some rest and some time with family. Can we just give it up for Pastor Phil and Kim for all that they do for us as a church family? Well, this morning I want to hop right in and I want to share with you a story found in the book of Acts. It's one of my favorite stories in the entire New Testament because it's packed with humor, action, suspense, plot twists. It's something straight out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's a story that all of us can relate to at one point or another because all of us have experienced a dire situation. All of us have experienced a difficult situation. It could be that you were diagnosed with an illness or it could be that you lost your job or maybe your income had been affected dramatically. Uh, it could be that you're about to lose a place that you call home or maybe you're struggling with your relationships, whether it's the parental or, or marital or maybe you just lost a loved one. All of us at one time or another, have experienced a dire or difficult situation or season. And there's a truth about life that I've discovered is that we are usually in a storm, coming out of a storm, or headed into a storm. And in the great words of the prophet Rocky Balboa, no one hits you as hard as life, but we don't have to just take it. God gives us the tools. He gives us the strategies. He gives us the power and the Holy Spirit. So then when life attacks us, when life hits us hard, when we get knocked down, when Satan feels like he has his foot on our throat, we can stand up and have victory and walk in the victory that Jesus has given to us. Does anybody want to live a life that is full of victory in this place this morning? Come on, let me hear you, Jen. You. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am victorious. Turn to your second option and tell them, I am victorious. So the story begins in Acts chapter 12. And in verse 1, we find that the apostle Peter is in prison again for the third time for the cause of Christ. Now, this is, um, he was arrested by this guy named Herod of Agrippa. Now, Herod of Agrippa is the grandson of Herod the Great. Herod the Great is the guy who killed all the babies when Jesus was born because he was trying to kill the Savior, which didn't work, but it was still a gruesome act. And so Herod of Agrippa, just like in the footsteps of his father, used murder to advance his popularity and advance his influence. He just before he arrested Peter, arrested the apostle James, brother of John, and had him beheaded. And a lot of people liked it. And so he said, if it worked once, maybe it'll work twice. So he arrests Peter, but he makes a mistake here. 
He arrests Peter during the festival of unleavened bread, which happens right after the festival. And it's a seven day festival. And if he kills Peter during this festival, instead of making the Jews happy and excited for what he had done, getting rid of this nuance named Peter, they would turn on him and say, yo, bro, you're messing up our festival. You can't kill people like that. So don't do it. So Herod of Agrippa has a conundrum on his hand. In one hand, he has the guy that he wants to kill. On the other hand, he has to wait. So he does something that we all would probably have not done if we were never in this situation, which none of us ever be in. He takes 16 Roman soldiers. 16. It's like Peter's Captain America or something. He takes 16 soldiers in four sets of four and has him guard Peter 24-7, where two of them are chained to Peter at all times. Chained to somebody at all times. Just imagine being chained to the persons you're sitting with. 24-7, all the time. No privacy, no, no, no relaxation, no nothing. Here we have this situation. And let me tell you, I love these types of stories. Because I'm looking at it when it's an opening movie, I'm thinking to myself, how's this homie going to get out? How's this brother going to do it? How does he go from a setback to a set up? How does he turn around and go from a place of uncertainty into a place of victory? We have Peter left chained, guarded, in prison, facing certain death. And the first thought I want to share with you this morning is this. Where you are does not change who you are. Where you are does not change who you are. You may be like Peter, busted and imprisoned in the fight of your life, but just because you're in prison doesn't change that you are a child of God. You may be going through the biggest blessing in your life right now, the greatest season that you have ever experienced, or you could be stuck in a rut in the valley of the shadow of death, but it doesn't matter where you are, you are still a son and daughter of the Most High God. My father, he's in uh, North Carolina right now, uh, Hope Mills. My brother, he was 82nd Airborne. He was much braver than I was. He went into military. I didn't. And um, so when he got stationed there in Fort Bragg, my parents uh, later in life, they decided to move down and help him raise his child. And so for the past, really, I would say at least the 12 years I've been married, um, we haven't lived near my father at all. I've lived in South Florida. I've lived in Texas. I've lived in Georgia. I lived in Pittsburgh. And now I live here in the panhandle of Florida. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but just because I've never lived near my father doesn't mean my father ever stopped being my father. I have never stopped being his son because where I am does not change who I am. God is still in control. He is still on the throne. He is still making a way for you. He is still making things work for all the good in your life for his glory because he is still your father and God loves you. And so Peter here in this moment we find in Acts chapter 12, he gives us four strategies or four practices that we can implement into our life so that when we are faced with dire situations and difficult seasons, we have a plan and we have some action points that we can take so that we can walk in victory. And the first point is this, surround yourself with community. Acts 12.5 says this, 
So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for God to God for him. The best thing that you can do before a storm comes into your life is to prepare for the storm. Any, any of you ever have your cell phone go off and tell you that severe weather is about to come, right? When we hear that there's a hurricane about to hit or coming nearby, what do we do? Do we go, ah, probably not going to hit us. No, we don't do that. Everybody goes out and buys all the toilet paper. They buy all the paper towels. They buy out all the canned goods. Every drop of gas, every generator, every electrical cord, every 4 by 8 sheet of plywood. They go up on the windows. Why? Because the best thing you can do before a storm hits is to prepare for it. Because if you do it when the storm is here, it's too late. It's too late. So here we have, and the same is true with your spiritual life. Peter was in prison, yet because he was connected to a community of believers and he did life with these people, when trouble came, he wasn't alone. He was with a people that surrounded him. The scripture doesn't even mention that Peter was praying over his situation, which I, I, I bet he was because I know I would be. But the church, the community of the believers, his small groups, his homies, they all stood with them and prayed for him. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. That is why we encourage you to join a small group. Not just to attend the church, but to be the church, to build relationships with people. So when you are faced with the storms of life, you have somebody to call up and tell them so that they can pray for you. Listen, if your friend group right now can't pray for you in a difficult situation, you need to find more friends. If the friends that you currently have can't pray the gates of hell down over your life and the blessings of God over your life, then you need to find a new friend group. And that's what small groups is all about. We don't want you just to attend church. We want you to be connected and build relationships so that you can grow so that when storms come, you are prepared. And our spring semester is winding down in small groups, but you still go to our website. You can go to the hub and you can see what kind of small groups are available. And maybe you, you don't want to attend. Maybe you want to lead a small group. Go talk to Pastor Tony or Tommy and we'll get you connected and get you started with doing a small group during the summer semester. And maybe you don't want to wait to small groups. Maybe you prefer to do something like serve and build connection. That's why we have the dream team. Not because we want something from you, but well, we want something for you. To build relationships with people while you make a difference for Jesus. We want that for you. People say all the time, they look at our church and they say, we're doing great. And I agree, but I also say this, we would be doing a whole lot better with your participation. We want to be able to not just have a great church. We want to have a life-impacting church that reaches our community, your friends, your family, your neighbors. To have a church where people come in and they can experience the presence of God to the point where they say, the storm in my life, the only answer to that storm is Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Come on, give Jesus some praise because he is the answer. So when you're faced with the storms of life, first thing you need to do is surround yourself with community. Number two, you need to saturate your situation with prayer. Probably the best part of Acts chapter 12, verse 5, is that the community of believers, his church, his small group, did for Peter is that they prayed. 
And they didn't just pray for a moment. The word earnestly there means they were consistently praying that it took time and energy. When I grew up, it was called tarrying at the altar, right? Push, pray until something happens. We'd have church on Sunday nights, and I grew up in an old school like Church of God uh, church that we had services all the time, and we were at church all day because my parents served at the church, and we'd be at the church at... Uh, nine o'clock, they do Sunday school. We'd have service. We'd go home, go to lunch, be back for choir practice, start of service. And then if the Holy Spirit was really moving, we would, the, the students, we would leave the church, go to the store, ne- the place next by, get pizza, Claysburg Pizza. We'd come back and the old folks were still praying over their situation. And we would just be like, yo, let's go. But can I tell you, as I've gotten older, I've realized that if we're not praying until something happens, if we're not tearing, then it must not be that important to us. James 5, 6 says the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. When you have something going on in your life, prayer should be your first response, not your last option. We need to go to God in prayer. Can you believe that? Before Jesus, you couldn't speak to God directly. You had to go to a priest and you had to talk to them and they would translate it up to God. But because of what Jesus has done on the cross, he ripped that veil so that we now have direct access to the father of the universe. Anytime that you want, come on, you get to talk to God directly. So do it. It's like giving my kid the Nintendo Switch and saying, you got 15 minutes to play, and they look at me and go, eh. Why not take advantage of the tool that God has given you so that you can walk in victory? You have to pray and saturate your situation in prayer. Read Acts 12, 12, 5 in your context. Beth has cancer, but the church prayed. John lost his job, but the church prayed. David's marriage was on the rocks, but the church prayed. Ryan's kids are driving him crazy, but the church prayed. Come on, the church prayed and God made a way for them and he will do the same for you number three be ready for the answer be ready once you once you surround yourself in community and you saturate your situation in prayer you need to be ready for the answer Mark Batterson said bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. And that is exactly what happens in this story. The night before Peter is going to be executed, the church is praying for him. They've been praying for him since he's been arrested. The night before he's about to get executed, it's just like in a movie. How's he going to get it out? He's going to die tomorrow morning. Peter's at peace with it. So he goes to sleep calmly. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord shows up Knocks the chains off of Peter, tells Peter, pick up your sandals, put them on, because God won't do for you what he, what he gave you the ability to do for yourself. Get yourself clothes in the morning, brush your teeth, fix your hair, put on deodorant, be a big boy, be a big girl, do those things. God wants, he gave you the ability to do them, so do them. So he tells Peter, get up, get your sandals on. 16 guards in the middle of a prison. The jail cell just, the, 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 the jail door just swings right open. Peter's like, 
This has got to be a vision. It's a dream. Okay, it's a dream. Let's go. All the guards are just wondering, like, he's like he's a ghost or something. And no one can see him. He's like the invisible man. He walks through the prison, out through another gate, goes outside of the prison. He is a street away. A street away. The angel disappears, and Peter goes, what? This ain't a vision. This is real. I'm free. Let's go. So what does Peter do? He goes, where should I go? I know where I'm going to go. I'm going to go to my small group's house because I know what they're doing for me right now. I bet they're praying for me. So Peter goes, wah, 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 starts running down the street. He goes to the small group and he begins to knock on the door. Verse 13, 14 says, Peter knocked at the outside entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. Verse 14, when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed to the rest of the group, yo, Peter's at the door. Ah, you playing. Peter ain't at the door. Come on, y'all. He's in prison. That's why we're praying. We're trying to get him out. Stop playing. He ain't at the door. And Rhoda's like, I heard his voice. And they're thinking, oh, no, they killed Peter prematurely. It's his angel. Because back in that day, the Jewish custom, they all believed that there was a guardian angel watching over each individual person. So they thought, maybe it's Peter's angel. Maybe he's dead. Maybe Peter's at, maybe it's his angel at the door and they're, they're going back and forth to each other. Should we go? Nah, bro. What if it's a trap? What if they're trying to kill us? Maybe somebody mimicked Peter's voice. It's really hard. He's Scottish, you know, maybe. Maybe he's Scottish or British and he got, no, it can't be do that, man. No, it's, it's Peter's voice. I heard it. So all of them gather together and they go, okay, we're going to ride to die. We're all going to go at the door together. So they walk over. They open the door and they're, ah! And it's Peter, and Peter's like, yo! And everybody's getting ready to scream and shout, Peter! And they let him in. And guess what? If the church wasn't paying attention, they would have missed the miracle that they were praying for because they weren't ready for the answer to be brought to them. Because they were praying for something, expecting it to happen, but not the way that it happened. And I learned a long time ago that my prayers are not step-by-step instructions for God to follow. My prayer is communication to God, telling him what I need, what I want. But at the same time, I say, Lord, you work it out. You focus on the details. And while you're working it out, I'm going to stay right here and I'm going to wait for the answer. I am going to be prepared for when the answer comes. I'm not going to be trying to talk to everybody and go, are you sure that was God? Are you sure that was Peter? Are you sure? I was praying for it. Peter's right there, but I don't think that was supposed to be Peter. That was God's answer. Before I served at this church, I served at a larger church in, in, in Texas, and we resigned, and, and, and I didn't know what we were going to do. So uh, I felt like I was supposed to sell life insurance door to door. That is a difficult, challenging job. If you do that in here, come talk to me. I'll pray for you. Give you some encouragement. That job's tough. Nobody understood what I was doing. I didn't either. But I prayed and I said, God, whatever the answer is, I'm going to do it. So then, then we moved our family over to be back with Becca's family for a few months. And I was like, Lord, I know I'm not supposed to live in my, 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 my relative's house and, and for, for forever. So where do you want me? And I felt like God said, go back to Waycross, Georgia. 
I don't have a job there. I'm selling life insurance. I'm traveling. I'm like, what? Okay, so go buy a house in Waycross, Georgia. So I went back to Waycross, Georgia, where I served for four years as their youth and worship pastor before. And, and, and that's where, um, that's where uh, Pastor Johnny, who's Becky Perkins' dad, that's a church I served at under. So I get there, and I'm, I'm doing life insurance. I'm doing life. I don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, Becky Perkins messages my wife on Facebook Messenger and says, hey, we're looking for somebody. I don't think it's something you, I, I, I don't know if it's something you're interested or what, but I would feel bad if we didn't reach out to you, but I feel like I'm supposed to reach out to you. I'm like, okay, babe, okay, that's, that's cool. I, I love Becky, I love Charlie, okay. Let's hear him out. So I, then I hear him out. And God says, that's the door that you need to go through. Every step that I took you from Texas to selling insurance to Florida to Waycross, Georgia, to selling your house was to bring you here for this moment in time at a church in Niceville, Florida, in the panhandle to serve as a youth pastor. And let me tell you, When the answer came, I moved because I'm not just praying to receive something particular. I'm praying so that God's will be done in my life. And when I'm praying, I'm waiting for the answer to come. And that answer was this church for this moment in time because I was ready for the answer. You got to be ready for the answer. If you're praying, you got to be ready for the answer. You got to be faithful. Sometimes the, the Bible says those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Sometimes we pray and we run and we forget to say, God, what's up? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Lord, I need my bills paid. Okay, in Jesus' name, amen. We, and, and God's like, well, if you just wait, I'll give you the answer. If you're going to pray, be prepared for the answer to come. And when it is here, capture it. Hold on to it. Don't wait. Step out in faith. And then number four, this is my last point. Share your victories. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have victories. Share your victories. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. It's at the end of the story. They all notice Peter at the door. They get all excited. It's the middle of the night. Everybody's like, what is that commotion going on in the house? And Peter calms him down. He motions them. Hey, 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 quiet. So they go inside. They shut the door. They go back upstairs. And Peter described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he says this, tell James the brother of Jesus, who's the head of the church in Jerusalem, tell James and the other brothers and sisters, uh uh-uh, don't forget about that, ladies, the brothers and the sisters about this. Once Peter got in the room, he shared with them how God had brought him out of prison to a place of victory. Out of a place of dire situation to a place of blessing. How he came from a a desperate, despair situation and how God provided for his family financially. How God had provided a miracle of healing. How God had saved his child. Peter shared with them the story and said, go tell others. You have to share what God has done for you or no one will know about it. I, prayed a me- I preached a message a while back. It was called Making Monuments. 
Because there's this really dark picture in the Old Testament where God would move in the life of the Israel people. But then the next generation, it said, forgot about God. God moved in a mighty way in one generation, and then in the next generation, they were gone. They were not there. They did not exist. They did not follow God. Why? Because they forgot to share the victories in their life with their next generation. Parents, are you telling your children, your youth, your students, your high school students about what God's doing in your life? about how God's providing for your family, how God's moving in your life. Because if they don't know, then they won't know when God does it for them. And they'll just think it's hard work or excellence or circumstance or they were lucky or they just fell into it. But none of that's true because it says God is our provider. God is our source. And if they don't know that God's moving in their life without somebody sharing how God has moved in theirs, then they won't know it's God. And we have a generation thirsty for stories. We have a generation that loves TikTok and Instagram and reels. And we forgot about words anymore, unless you're on Twitter. But the young folks, they're not on Twitter. They've gone back to the cavemen way of communicating with pictures. Right? Emojis in quick five-second reels. And everybody's like, oh, that's the coolest thing ever. But you know what? They will stare at their phone for hours and hours, eight to ten hours a day, watching other people's stories. Why? Because they're trying to grab onto something that they can say, that matters in my life. I want that. And the story that they really need more than any other story is the story of Jesus moving in the life of their family and their friends so that they can share that with the world. And if you're not going to share those victories, who is? Some weirdo on YouTube that's going to lead them down the wrong path. Some weirdo on... Not weirdo, maybe that's too strong of a word, sorry. Some person that's inappropriate, that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't know the truth, and they're going to get hooked in the wrong thing instead of being hooked in the best thing that they could ever have, and that's Jesus. The first thing that Peter did was to share with them the victory that he experienced. Guys, you're not going to believe this. I thought it was a dream. For a moment, I was a ghost. The door cell swung wide open. Peter, nah, it didn't happen like that. How did it happen? Did you karate him just like Captain America? Did you take out those 16 soldier Peters? I know you had a sword. You cut off that soldier's ear when Jesus was in the garden. We know you, Peter. You a bad man. You a bad dude. How'd you do it? Did you pick that lock? Did you break free? Did you kill them all, Peter? Peter's like, no. God did it. I did nothing. The only thing I did was obey and follow. I put on my shoes and I walked out. And before I knew it, I was free. And before you will know it, the storms in your life that you're being held back by, the dire situations, the difficult situations, if you surround yourself with community, if you saturate your situation with prayer, if you look for the answer, 
And if you share your victories before you even realize it, you'll be out of that prison a block away. Man, Lord, I didn't see how that was going to happen. But I'm glad it did. Hey, guys, you want to see what God did for me? If he did it for me, he can do it for you. And he can do it for you. And he can do it for you. The world is hungry for a God that doesn't just exist, but has power to intervene in our lives, to change it and transform it. But they won't know unless we share it with them. Why don't you stand with your feet this morning? I had this line. I wasn't going to use it, but I'm going to own it anyway. Don't let the enemy convince you to settle for plan B when God already has plan A set up for you. You may have made a ton of mistakes in your life. I have too. I should not be on this stage. When I look back and the things I've done or things I experienced, I'm, a, I'm just a country kid from central PA that can shoot but don't hunt. I, I can fish, but I don't eat fish. But there's nothing special about me. Except for, I said, Lord, whatever happens in my life, I am going to serve you. It doesn't matter if I get thrown into prison emotionally. It doesn't matter if I feel like I'm in chains spiritually. Lord, it doesn't matter because where I am doesn't change who I am. I am your son. And even though I can't see it, I'm going to be out of that prison one day. And I'm going to share it with everybody who I can when I get a mic on a platform to let them know that God can make a way for you because he's done it for me. So don't let the enemy convince you that your life has to be transformed or, or, or be changed, that you're not good enough or you can't because God has a plan A for your life. Don't settle for plan B because God has given you the tools and the strategy and the power to have plan A in your life always so that you can walk in victory. Bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person that's in this room this morning. Lord, I thank you that they got out of bed and I thank you that they made a decision to drive here and be in person, Lord, because there was one person that needed to hear this message, including me. Lord, and I pray that whatever situation that they're going through in life, Lord, that they won't look at the situation, but they will look at the God who has the ability to deliver them from that situation. Lord, there is no mountain that you can't level. There is no sea that you can't part. There is no opportunity that you can't turn into a miracle because that is who you are. You are a miracle, wonderful, loving, grace-filled God, and your mercy never ends. So I pray and I encourage those people this morning. Lord, let them feel your presence. Let them feel your touch right now. Holy Spirit, speak to their hearts. Minister to their minds. Let them know that you love them, that you care about them, and that you are going to make a way through. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said.
Amen. Why don't we uh, pray the Lord's Prayer this morning, and then we'll have uh, Pastor Tommy come up and give us some further instructions. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.